This week's episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by 6-7 Radius. 6-7 Radius is a consulting firm that helps companies grow by building one-of-a-kind marketing strategies and sales techniques. With over a decade of experience in the B2C and B2B world, the company is now bringing you a one-of-a-kind sales course. The Sales Law of Averages will teach you step-by-step all the soft and hard negotiation skills you need to master your sales game with over five hours of training material, over 40 videos, and real-life examples from different sales industries. Pre-order your course today for only $117. Turn your leads into sales and create a 100% referral conversion rate. Pre-order your course today and master your sales strategy for less than $10 a month. Are you intrigued? Great! Go hit the affiliate link in the description of this episode and pre-order your course today. It's only $117, which is a massive markdown from the usual price, and ends up being less than $10 a month to totally master your sales strategy. It's worth it. Check it out. 6-7 Radius. This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey, the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 309 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. This week, we're taking a trip to the Windy City to talk about Chicago food. Before we dig in, I do want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important to remember when the lands that you occupy are not your own, and to engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. For the rest of the month of February, I'm going to be donating $2 to Raven Trust for every new rating and review that comes in on Apple Podcasts for this show. Uh, Raven Trust is an organization that helps connect Indigenous people all across Canada with resources for legal aid and financial support and uh, all kinds of stuff that is super duper helpful. So every new review that you leave me on this show is $2 that goes into their pocket to help make a difference here. Uh, So again, that's Raven Trust. You can hit the link in the description of this episode to find out more about them. Uh, And uh, yeah, if you haven't left the rating and review for this show yet on Apple Podcasts, go do that. It takes you like two minutes and then it will cost me like $2 and it will go a long way for them. Thank you. On with the show. Chicago, the Windy City, Chi-Town, Land of the Bears, the Cubs, and because who cares about consistency and branding, the White Sox. Chicago is a fantastic food town built on a foundation of blue-collar, working-class immigrants, bringing a wide variety of backgrounds to help create a powerfully vibrant culinary scene. Today on the show, it's all about Chicago. The hot dogs, the sandwiches, the pizzas, and the history that all goes into it. Now, I've actually only spent about half an hour in Chicago. I had a layover at O'Hare at like 3 o'clock in the morning on the way home from Seattle, and I had to get from one end of the airport to the other to catch the next flight. 
it was awful. That airport sucks. <laughs> so rather than share directly from my personal experiences of the city, today I'm bringing in the big guns and calling up former co-host of the show, Adrian Schoen, one of the sharpest and kindest people I've ever met, who moved back to Chicago last year right before the pandemic happened and has a deep love for the local grub Chicago has to offer. Honestly, of all the people to ever be from Chicago, Adrian is second only to the Obamas and maybe Jeff Mauro on my list of people I think are actually pretty cool. And I think you'll agree. Before we get to my conversation with Adrian, I wanted to let you know about a guest appearance I had on a recent episode of the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews podcast. I was a guest for episode 180, where we talked about Meatloaf's 1977 album Bat Out of Hell, track by track, and it was a lot of fun. I fell into my usual trap of comparing everything to a Broadway musical and also embarrassed the hosts by being half their age. Anyway, if that sounds like fun to you, which it should because it was, then go check out Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews wherever you get your podcasts and tell them that I sent you. All right. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Adrian Schoen. All right, our guest on this week's episode is none other than Adrian Schoen. For those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you probably remember Adrian because Adrian was one of my co-hosts on the show for like, I think, three years before moving back to Chicago at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know pandemic things happened, which kind of messed with everything in the whole world. So I'm very excited to be talking to Adrian on the show again for the first time since the summer. And uh, today we're going to be talking, of course, a little bit about food in Chicago, because who better to weigh in on that than Adrian Spoons Shown, the queen of Chicago herself. Yeah, I, uh, I recall having a lot of strong opinions on uh, on, on food uh, on the show, which I think I complained multiple times that, you know, like, oh my god, everybody just keeps sending in food questions, like, get away from the food questions and now you just totally like leaned in it's just only food now (laughs) well that's it right it got to a point where i was like i need to figure out like you know over the summer like schedules were just really hard like we had a team of like six people and i was still having trouble finding anyone to do the show on a weekly basis and it was like that was partly pandemic and partly that like we were all just kind of like dealing with other stuff and not totally feeling it. And I was like, okay, well, I need to maybe restructure this to be something that I can personally give a shit about on a weekly basis, just in case it's hard to find co-hosts until the pandemic's over. And uh, that was food. And I was like, you know what? Listeners will like that because they're constantly fucking asking us food questions. So here we go. It's so true. It was like such an improv, uh, um, you know, cliche that like you have to frame like an ask for in a really specific way. Otherwise, people will just give you food 100% 100% of the time. <laughs> oh, totally. It's uh, it's kind of fun. I'm actually part of a Facebook group called Improvisers Talking About Food, uh, where it's kind of like, it's international, so there's people from all over the world sharing food pictures and talking about it and occasionally making jokes about how, you know, everybody just yells pineapple at you when you're on stage. It's great. <laughs> it's, uh, I've really found my people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I always give my guests on the show a chance to talk a little bit about like who they are and like the the way that they grew up in terms of like the food that they ate and where they come from and whatnot. Um, I feel like I maybe spoiled it a little slash people who've listened for a long time already know you. So they kind of like have a bit of a sense. But um, yeah, why don't you paint us a picture of like Adrian shown as a food person over the years? <laughs> How'd you grow up? What did you eat? Where are you from? Et yeah. cetera. As a food person, like, are we all food people? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I grew up uh, in the north side of Chicago, and um, I, I kind of grew up like my mom. I guess she like made all of our baby food from scratch, like um, all of it. And then she worked like all the time, so she ended up just being like, "No more. You guys are old enough to get like lunch tickets at school." <laughs> and, um, and then 
I actually grew up on uh, like a lot of takeout, which um, I'm, I'm kind of thankful for because like you know we had Thai food all the time and uh, kind of Mediterranean, like Lebanese, and um, so we really kind of grew up with this kind of wider palette of of things. Um, you know, like Vietnamese food, Thai food. Um, you just I don't know. We, we really kind of spread spread a lot of that that out but also I mean just growing up in Chicago like it's such a food town and it it's funny because I've, I've been trying to parse this out because I feel like Chicago and and Montreal have have sort of a, a baseline like somewhere in their bones is something similar but it's hard to really divine what it is mm. um, it but it's this sort of like blue collar foundation where like Montreal is not Paris like it's you know like the Atwater um, marketplace like that's an old slaughterhouse and like Chicago is very much like built on the stockyards and um, pork and um, you, you know there's just something that's not it's a little bit more casual mm-hmm. although I, I think Chicago might even take it like a step further because like Montreal you walk around and people are like super fashionable, like, even just no matter where, you, what part of town you're in, <laughs> like, certainly, like, if people are out, like, at the clubs or, like, fancy restaurants, people are very fashionable in Chicago, but, like, if you're just walking down the street, everybody's just got, like, a Bears thing on or, like, Cubs, or, like, it's it's pretty, like, chill. <laughs> right. That's really interesting. I am... Um... So there's two things in there that I want to kind of, like, that kind of, like, bounced for me. The, the first is... Um, it Montreal does have this reputation of being a fashionable city. Teffer and I were talking about this yesterday, actually, how, like, when she first moved here, like, she was saying, like, it seems like everybody in Montreal is hot. And, like, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, it's kind of true, but I'm not really sure what it is about Montreal that does that, because it's not like everybody here, like, comes from the same genetic pool, and it's just a really hot one, because Montreal's really, like, diverse. So, like, what is it, right? And uh, we came to the conclusion that it's got to just be, like, a fashion thing. Like, we've got to just be, like, a little bit fashion-forward here in a way that, like it matters a little bit to the like overall culture of the city. Uh, And that's exactly what Teffer was saying was like, yeah, back home, you know, back in Boston, like, you know, people would be dressed nice for sure, like whatever, but you would also see people walking around in like sweatpants and tank tops and it was just totally fine and normal. And you really don't see that in Montreal unless they're like $600 Kanye West sweatpants, you know? Yeah. And it's not that it's like um, fancy. It's that it's like, yeah you know it's not like people are dressed up no but they're dressed cool (laughs) yeah exactly where it's like the worst thing you're gonna see on a day-to-day basis is like someone wearing like a pair of jeans that fit them well and like a (laughs) t-shirt it's like i'm i'm guilty of that most days i'm just a jeans and t-shirt person but i wear them well you know yeah well somebody uh, i i used to date this guy uh, who was from uh, kiev ukraine Mm. and and he'd also uh, like gone to school in Moscow, and he said that the one of the things is like in in Kiev, like uh, like every woman looks like a fashion model. <laughs> they, they just have this like one million dollar outfit, and that's the only thing they own, and they look spectacular. But right. he, he said it was like because you don't own a car, you don't own a house, you don't, you know, like there's that's the thing that you have. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to own one thing, it better be a really nice one thing. <laughs> I get that. I like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I that you mentioned in there that I think is really uh, 
is really interesting is like having grown up on fast food or not on fast food, but on um, takeout and seeing that as kind of a blessing because it opened you up to like sort of a wider, more like international palette. I think I, I that resonates with me a lot because I think I'm kind of the same. Like we did a lot of takeout growing up and then like when we were, you know, unable to buy takeout because we were poor, my mom was like, well, I know what I want to order tonight, so I'm going to make it instead because we can't afford to order it. So <laughs> I kind of grew up the same way, like a lot of uh, a lot of variety. And I think that that is a thing that like, if people can grow up that way, it's really, really a privilege. It's it's yeah. it's an awesome thing to be able to do. Well, and also like, but I mean, both of my, my parents were, were working quite a bit. So like, I, you know, like, it definitely is a luxury to be able to to afford something like that, but I don't know that she she would have had the the time or space to be able to. Sure. Pick up. It, it's not like um, you know Thai food's the the most expensive thing that you bring into the house either. Sure. So, well, yeah, that's it. It's 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 not so much. I, I'm not even thinking of it as a privilege financially. I'm thinking of it as a privilege like culturally, I guess, to live yeah. somewhere where you have access to that, like, variety. Because I think a lot of towns, like, um, I was talking to, I was talking to my friend Kat a little while ago on the show, and she grew up in uh, Val d'Or, which is, like, another part of Quebec, but it's not as uh, downtowny as Montreal is, right? And uh, she was saying, like, the fanciest coffee chain they had there when she was growing up was a Tim Hortons. And, like, thinking about, and she said she didn't have sushi for the first time till she was, like, 20 and like had it in Montreal and I was thinking about that and it's like oh yeah the the real advantage you get from growing up in a city <laughs> is that you get like exposure at, to, at some level to like a wider variety of cultures and like on a culinary level that's super rad yeah um totally like it, it's so funny there there's this restaurant that I I grew up um my mom and I used to go to uh, a lot when I was like in high school and stuff and it was this uh, Vietnamese place and um, a little neighborhood that I actually live quite close to now um called Little Vietnam hmm. this uh, it, it it was so good so good <laughs> and um th- it was this family that ran it and whenever you would go there the parents would be in the back and they'd be you know cooking and then their little daughter and they had like a very very little little boy and their daughter would come she was the the waitress for the restaurant because i think she spoke english (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what was going on and uh and so i went there for so many years and into college and as an adult and the little girl was like, I watched her grow up. Right. <laughs> and she was like, I remember in college helping her with her homework, and and she was so, um, like on top of of stuff. Like she was so sassy and so um, precocious. I was like, that girl's gonna be president. <laughs> I love that. Serious, serious energy. And so I, I went there um, when uh, oh gosh, it was uh, like. I, I visited home over over Christmas before I moved back here, and uh, I went to that place with my mom again. And there's a, a new like owner, so the the family doesn't own it anymore. But uh, we were talking to the guy, and we were talking about how we went there, like you know, all, all growing up. And he dated that girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was really funny, but um, yeah, like I it, to me, like you know, I, there's something about like you know, Vietnamese food that's so, like, um, like home cooking to me. Like, it's so familiar. I love that. So so coming to the Chicago of it, um, <laughs> when we were trying to figure out what to talk about on this episode, uh, I, like, 
I got so excited about the idea of talking to you about the food of Chicago because Chicago is a city that like, yeah, kind of the two things that I, the three things I know about it are all the sports teams are named after a kind of bear. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. (laughs) The ones that matter are. Hot take. (laughs) The uh, people call it the Windy City. Uh, I'm guessing because it's windy. And uh, there's... uh, there's a lot of really strong opinions about food when it comes to mm-hmm. Chicago. Uh, and I, I like any city that has that. Um, so let's, I guess, start small and go big. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, sure. I feel like we need to start with the hot dog. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, this is this is quite... And it, here's the thing, like, I think a lot of Chicago food can really be traced back. Like, Montreal has this, like, foundational you know, Frenchness. Mm-hmm. So there's so like sort of um just default thing that everything's gonna be like a little bit French, you know, and even if it's like not French food. If right. you're just like in a generic diner, there's just gonna be something like weirdly French about something. Yeah. And, and like when I was living in Denver, the the that's kind of like the the Mexican food vibe. There's like a Latino kind of like a, you know, like everything comes with green chili for some reason. Right. Uh, <laughs> in Chicago it's like Polish. That is, that's like somewhere in the base through line. And so when you talk about like a hot dog, um, you know, like Chicago hot dog famously has like a shit ton of things on it and none of them are ketchup. They are right. never ever ketchup. Um, and it's because like a, the, the relish is kind of the sweet component. So to put ketchup, which is basically just fed sugar on top of something that's already sweet. Um, but then you have like tomato and you have a pickle and you have a... Um, onions and and uh, mustard and so like it it's really good <laughs> i love this i i think that there's something really wonderful about a loaded hot dog i think this is something that um quebec has to an extent uh we don't have like a vendetta against ketchup in the same way that chicago does but oh my certainly... god, canada loves it sweet oh my god the yeah. more sugar they can work into something like <laughs> That's it. We're, we're we're a saccharine people. <laughs> but I, I definitely, like, if you go to, like, La Belle Provence, you know, a little greasy spoon, cascrute kind of place here, like, a hot dog might come with ketchup, or it might come with, like, I, I've definitely had hot dogs with ketchup, mustard, relish, and, like, finely diced onion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's something really nice about a hot dog with just a bunch of stuff on it. So I'm on board with the Chicago hot dog. It's it's really good. Like I mean, if you're ever just feeling like um, unfulfilled in your life, like just Google like a super dog in Chicago, and it's like this little beautiful box, and it's just like a bed of fries and nestled on top of that bed of fries. Right. Is is just this like fully loaded, amazing garden of a hot dog. Um, and funny enough, I, I live down the block, and I have not gone there yet because. Uh, <laughs> There's a pandemic. Right. Um, <laughs> I could go. I could just go pick something up. I just. I. I don't know that I've ever just like ordered like a hot dog for for dinner. Like it's a thing that you do when you're out. But it, like I don't know that I thought like I need a meal and that meal is going to be a hot dog. Right. Um, but uh, it's the place that Obama had hot dogs sent to the White House. Um, from so like it's Obama's pick so I feel like it's something I gotta try right well and he's from Chicago so if if it's his pick then it's like gotta be good you know right and I think that's actually the thing that kicked off 
uh, the whole conspiracy theory that like they were talking about like ordering pizza and it was like a pedophilia ring. <laughs> oh wow! I'm somehow roped into that, but um. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if Joe Biden has a favorite hot dog in Chicago. Because he's a Philadelphia guy, so I don't, right. I don't even know what his his baseline knowledge of of a Chicago hot dog would be. I'm sure. I'm sure Barack took him to get one at least once, right? Yeah, <laughs> he like gave a little tour around around town. That seems like that seems like something you do with your vice president. I don't know. I like to hope that they like hang out. I mean, obviously not during pandemic times, but like things were simpler back in twenty eight. I am just picturing like nice, a slow motion montage so that's like you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is definitely in my head canon like you know how there's like all these historical figures in like American history who were like described as being very very close male friends but like definitely they were fucking. <laughs> yeah. I think that like I just, I'm look I'm not I'm not trying to like say anything <laughs> You know, I'm not trying to start rumors, but like if it came out in like 30, 40 years that Obama and Biden were lovers, I wouldn't bat an eye at it is all I'm saying. You know, I just I just don't see Obama having like the interest. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's more of a platonic love. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They have tender feelings for each other. I don't know. Yeah, I I am picturing that, but all right. Um, speaking of having tender feelings, there is nothing that I feel more tenderly toward than a nice sandwich with beef in it. Uh, and it's my understanding that Chicago is also famous for an Italian beef sandwich. Yes. Tell I me about this. This is quite, quite good. So it's, it's a, it comes with like a, a juice. And so it's kind of like a thinly um, sliced kind of pile of, of just <laughs> a beef in a, in a roll with like a, a sauce that it's not even a sauce it's like a liquid it's like a it's a gravy but it's not like thickened oh it's, it's the it's the au jus? yeah 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 i i think we don't use that word au jus. yeah <laughs> but yeah and then uh, put some jardinara in there which is Ooh, like yeah. that's that's a real chicago thing which is like you know when you get like pickled jalapenos yeah it's like that, but there's like a bunch of other shit in there too so yeah. it's got like little bits of carrot and um um cauliflower yeah, yeah, like a bunch of vegetables. Yeah. Well, I think there's um Chicago like historically has like a lot of like it's it's not as Italian as New York, but it's a pretty Italian city, right? Um, not as it, it's not as Italian as it is Polish, but like there's a lot of Italians there from from my I mean, understanding. there are not not Italians there, but it, it's not <laughs> I don't really think of it as being like an Italian town. Actually, you know, it's really funny. I was watching, you know, on Netflix, they've got that show, the ballerina one, like little pretty things. Uh, sure. So it, it's like about like some ballet school in Chicago that okay. um, does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very confused about several things about that show. But I think the, the people who wrote it wanted, I don't know why they said it in Chicago, but uh, I don't think they've ever been here. <laughs> That's always so fun. They have this scene where it's like this kid's mom, uh, you know, like they're having one of the ballerinas over for for dinner, and he's got this big like Italian family, and they sound straight out of the Bronx. No one from the Goggles ever talked like this, and then um, they're like, "Oh, you know, like what suburb are you from?" <laughs> I we we've been oh, what did she say like Mucktown something. It's, 
not a term anybody uses. Like, I've never heard it. I Googled it. It's not a thing. <laughs> I love that. And then they just start naming, like, Northern Suburb. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, we pinpointed your your uh, your accent. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, who are these people? That's incredible. I love the idea of making up making up suburbs and making up like fake um, fake subcultures. Well, the suburbs are real, but yeah, they're like we've been in Hogtown or like or Mudtown or I, it was something so weird. I, I had to Google it. It was like, is that a thing? <laughs> They sound straight out of, like, The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think I was actually looking through the... The Tribune has this really great um, article that's, like, the history of, of uh, food in Chicago. And okay. it's really marked by, like, the influx of certain immigrants. And um, Italian immigrants were, were very, uh, very, very early. But they definitely, like... I, I think they said it's really started with the uh, Italian um, immigrants and then there was like a little bit of a stylish thing in like Parisian food but that, that really kind of took up and then there was just like a dump of massive uh, dump of uh, uh, Polish people and okay. I think that dominated everything Right. Um, but also like I live in a, a Swedish neighborhood so that was early like the uh, 1880s 18, or 1920s like when a, a bunch of Swedish people came there's like a German town um, I guess towards like middle early 1900s, like a lot of uh, Chinese restaurants started kind of popping up. And actually, the, so the, there's this. Um, I, I I pulled it open and I left it open because I thought this was just the best co- like quote that <laughs> I heard. So they have a listing for 1918. January sees the great patriotic food show in Chicago, given by the State Council of Defense. A book giving all of the recipes bears the legend. It is the patriotic duty of every woman to follow the advice and recipes contained in this book. Among the meatless dishes are creamed rabbit, head cheese, tamale pie, potted pigeon on toast, goose rice, timbales, and possum. Marinated overnight in vinegar and lemon juice. Wait, those are the meatless dishes? Those are the meatless dishes. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know what? I bet that back then meat referred very specifically to like beef. I bet it did. Beef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah, I think like foul and game don't don't count. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard people say that about um, like fish, where they they don't refer to it as a meat. I'm like, it's I, it's a meat. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like the the flesh of an animal. But you know, if, if you need to tell yourself it's not a meat because you like it and you're a vegetarian, that's fine. <laughs> well, just, I think it just used to be kind of like because Catholics couldn't eat meat on like Fridays, but yeah. they could eat fish. So I think it just sort of like cut shifted in its own category. <laughs> Not like people were trying to find a loophole. It was just like that's not meat yeah well i think there was um i don't remember where this is it might have been argentina where um there were catholics there who really like didn't have you know necessarily the best fish options and uh they just like decided that the capybara counts as a fish I think I told you that. Was I that you who told I, me that? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I think familiar. so, yeah, because uh, my friend wanted to buy a bunch of cheap land in Detroit. That's right. her capybara farm. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, hey, would you look at that? It's mid-roll time already. Crazy how time flies, eh? Speaking of time flying, 
Do you know that it's been almost a year since we ran our Munch Madness food bracket? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I've plopped a link to that playlist in the description of this episode. But basically, we dedicated two straight months to a bracket tournament, pitting foods against each other to determine the best food of 2020. I'm excited to announce that we're bringing Munch Madness back this year. The final four from last year's tournament will be back to fight again, but the rest of the competitors will be determined by your votes. There's a link in the description of this episode to a survey you can fill out to help make your voice heard and nominate your favorite foods, dishes, and ingredients. Munch Madness is going to start in mid-March, so you've got until the end of February to fill out the survey. So go do it. Link in the description. The only other thing I want to mention here in the mid-roll is that our sister show, The Rad Child Podcast, is still working on raising funds to produce their new season. You can hit the Kickstarter link in the episode description to pledge as little as a dollar to help them out and get all kinds of awesome perks in exchange. Full disclosure, part of what they're raising money for is to pay me as their editor, so you're sort of also helping put food on my table. Isn't that rad? Yeah, I thought so. Go do it. Link in the description. Again. All right, back to our show. The third and final thing that we need to touch on in this episode about Chicago food is, of course, pizza. Um, But not just deep dish pizza, because I have come to learn recently that uh, in addition to deep dish pizza, you guys also have kind of strong feelings about how to cut thin crust pizza. You know what? I I ordered, because, I mean, like, deep dish pizza is not, like, a thing that, that, you know, people here eat like on a routine basis sure um like if you're gonna order like a pizza for delivery you're probably not gonna be ordering deep dish you can but i don't really know anybody who has like a party and just like gets a deep dish pizza that's crazy yeah it doesn't seem Uh, like it would deliver great i I don't even know like it's it's not a thing i've ever tried to do (laughs) uh like it's very heavy but like if you're downtown and or like showing people around. It's definitely like a tourist thing to do, but right. also like it, it's not like a thing that I wouldn't wouldn't do. But maybe I do it like once or twice a year. But uh, like, there somebody asked me I was ordering pizza, and they're like, "Do you, do you want it cut like in triangles or squares?" And I was like, "I can't believe because a lot of times here they cut it in squares right. and not like in triangles." And which is fine. I've just never had anybody like give me the option before. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, you fucking decide. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about like a pizza place asking how you want your pizza cut. That's that's service. Yeah. <laughs> like most pizza places you order it and like they are gonna send it to you cut however they feel like. Sometimes they're gonna forget to cut it. Sometimes they're gonna like cut it really unevenly and you're like, okay, well I guess uh two of these slices are wafer thin and the last two are enormous, but that's fine. And like the pizza place I work at, we don't cut it because we don't bake it. So like I don't cut pizzas for people ever. So the idea of like asking someone how they want it cut, that's unheard of. Yeah, it's a uh, I, I like the the cutting into squares because A, I like I like that tiny little triangle piece on the corner. Not mm. like, I mean, there's no corners, but, you know, like, you get the, where it would be a square because right. you're cutting it like it's on a grid. And so you get those little corner pieces, and they're tiny, and they're just, like, mostly crust with, like, a tiny little, like, tiny pizza slice. Right. I love those. <laughs> and they're just, like, a little bit more manageable. Like, sure. they're just smaller and kind of easy to pick up. Yeah, no, I love a I love a Chicago cut pizza. I didn't know that that was a Chicago thing. Um, that's I didn't how, either. Yeah, that's how Domino's does their thin crust pizzas. So I just thought it was how Domino's did their thin crust pizzas, and then I found out recently that it's like specifically how like Chicago does thin crust pizza, and I was like, oh, that's I cool. Have no idea. Yeah, but Domino's isn't like a Chicago thing, is it? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think the Domino's is not really done here. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Where did they There's start? lots of good pizza. Nobody's like clamoring for Domino's out here. <laughs> uh, first one was in Ypsilanti, Michigan. There we go. Well, according to this uh, article in the Tribune, Cracker Jacks were invented here. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, looking at the um, Wikipedia page for Culture of Chicago uh, and then uh, scrolling down to the food and drink section, which is, of course, the largest section. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all we do. That's all we fucking do. <laughs> that's great. Honestly, <laughs> of all the things to be known for, that's the one, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I think one of the reasons that um, uh, Montreal might be, like, a little bit more attractive than us is we, we have, like, probably a much higher obesity rate, <laughs> like... Yeah. Not to say that you can't be like, but I mean, we're schlubby and and we're just like stuffing our faces all day. Like we're not a healthy people. <laughs> yeah, I I feel that. I kind of wish that I was that. You know, like I'll watch TV shows or movies set in like Chicago or in like New York City. And like the characters will be like schlubby guys who look a little like me walking around and they'll grab a greasy ass slice of pizza or a greasy hot dog and they'll just shove it in their face while walking here. And every time yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the life I want. That's what I <laughs> New need. New York, they're, they're super like, they, nobody's got a car. Like, and they're running across. Like, they're they're pretty felt people. Uh, I, I would say that is not not true of Chicago. We, <laughs> we're a portly town. Fair enough. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I I could handle a portly town. I think I'd be I'd be fine with yeah. that. I, I treat Montreal a little... like a portly town. Yeah, I always felt a little pudgy in, in Montreal, and uh, here I'm like, I am skinny. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't win. No. Oh, man. Um, okay, before we wrap up, is there any, like, final things that you think are, like, essential? If someone was, you know, coming to Chicago for the first time, let's say it's 2023 and we can do that, what <laughs> what do we need to eat coming to Chicago the first time? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, it's... You know, like, I, I used to be a tour guide, and people were like, oh, what should I go see? And I'm like, I don't know what you like. We got a lot of sh- stuff, you know, <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know, Greek town or Ukrainian village or, uh, you know, like, it, it depends a lot on what your your vibe is. Um, I would definitely say go to Wiener Circle. Um, <laughs> Excuse they, me? Wiener Circle is, is a very famous hot dog place that um, they famously will yell at you. Not like in a cute way, but like in a real aggressive, <laughs> uh, intense way. Uh, but uh, th- their hot dogs so good, so good. And yeah, I mean, like that—that's just kind of a must-do. Uh, there's there's a lot of opinions on deep dish pizza. I personally, um, I think Luminati's is probably the best. Anything but they do the corn flour cr- on the crust. Mm. Like that that uh, I, I think has a really distinct or that I, I think is really good. I think Giordano's is like a little bit too kind of doughy for me, but a lot of people like it. I For like a cocktail, I mean, this is more of like a tourist thing to, to do, like just as a thing to see, but um, then like a place to eat. But uh, the signature room on the top of the, the John Hancock building, it's the third, it used to be the tallest building in Chicago. Now it's like the third tallest, but on the 95th floor, they have a lounge. And uh, you can sit up there and, and have like a cocktail, and it's better than going up to like the Sears or the Willis Tower because that's like an observation deck. But you have to buy a ticket to do it. You might as well just spend ten dollars and go to the, the signature room and look at the lights and like the the city from from like two stories lower than you would in the other place. Right, because then you can also have a drink instead of just standing around. 
Yeah. And I've been told in the men's room, like, the windows go all the way to the floor. <laughs> it's supposed to be a little bit, like, vertigo-inducing, like, while you pee. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. If there's two things that are true about me, it's that I uh, don't like heights and have vertigo in my family. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, um, if you don't mind being in just, like, intense heat and humidity surrounded by about a gajillion people that you can't even, like, navigate around. The taste of Chicago is nice. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and not do that one. It, it's miserable, but, <laughs> like, it is, like, a bunch of food tents from, from like, every kind of place in Chicago, and you get tickets, and you get, like, small um, bites of, like, uh, all these different things. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and they have, like, bands out there and stuff. It's just, it's I think they do it in, like, July, and it's so hot here at that time, and it's so humid and mucky. And I remember it was so um, busy one year when I went that uh, <laughs> there was, like, an intersection, and all the people were walking in the intersection, and uh, they became so congested that no one could actually move anywhere anymore. <laughs> and then, so instead, everybody just started cheering. <laughs> Because it was so crowded, you couldn't move, and there was Amazing. nothing else to do. So we just started like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My neighborhood, uh, there's a place called Ann Sather's, which is uh, like one of the the few remaining kind of Swedish uh, restaurants and and what used to be kind of a Swedish uh, area uh, called Andersonville. Um, they do these crazy um, cinnamon buns. That it, I mean, it's like three days worth of calories like, it's like, I think they give them two of them too and there's like as big as your face uh, but they're really good like I think the, the it's still like hot the the frosting that they put on oh and, yeah like, they're really they're really good they're just ridiculous I like any dessert that's like served in a in a what am I trying to say I like I like a hot dessert I don't like the way I said that but I'm standing by it. <laughs> oh, the, the Garrett's uh, um, popcorn is like a big thing. I, I honestly like it's always had a line out in front of it. I've never gone because it's like an hour. Line. I'm like, it's popcorn. Fuck off. Um, but it is like a big thing here. Well, <laughs> that's like um, that's the uh, the like Chicago mix popcorn that's like half cheddar, half uh, caramel corn. Yeah, yeah, like they've got like a lot of different kinds, but yeah, that's kind of the, the big thing that they do. I find it fun that you live in Andersonville because uh, I just took your name and anagrammed it and Anderson fits in there, so yeah. enjoy that. That's fun. I'm, yeah. I'm actually in Ravenswood. Oh, um, well, your name doesn't fit in Ravenswood, so. It does not, but I, <laughs> I, I'm very close to Andersonville. <laughs> the other word that fits then is China, and then you just have an E left over. And you can take that E and do whatever you want with it. That's your E. <laughs> Anderson E. China, attorney at law. <laughs> Adrian, before I let you go, do you have any like final words of wisdom about Chicago food uh, or anything that you want to plug? Uh, we're just a good food town. And uh, it's, it's uh, God, our, our Mexican food, I don't want to like undersell that because it's really delicious and awesome. Yeah, there's just a great variety. Like Montreal is also like a really amazing food town, but it is very like French focused. Hmm. And um, there's really good Szechuan food in Montreal, but like and Indian food, sorry, but like you can't really get that much like good t 
Thai or, or Vietnamese or like like the little realms and bubbles of, of food collectives that they have are different. Right. And Chicago's so so broad and and has so much. And um, I also feel like uh, Montreal is like very hip and trendy, like in all of their restaurants. Where like Chicago is really a place where you can really go to like a shithole place that costs like nothing and just have the best food of your life. Nice. <laughs> I like um, that. Yeah, I do too. Like, I, I, there's a series of diners that I love here, and they're nothing special. They're just family-owned, like weird little diners that are across Chicago. And they're always called like the golden something, so like the golden nugget, the golden angel. Like, uh, and I, when I found this apartment, I saw that there was a golden nugget, uh, which is a, I went to a different golden nugget like all the time when I was in college, and I was like, it's kismet. It must, it was meant to be. I need to be near the golden nugget. <laughs> oh, that's great. Have you been able to go or? Uh, no, I mean yeah. I could. I, <laughs> once again, like it's. I, you know, like also my rent is so high that I'm, uh, I'm trying to like cook. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just such a, a glorious food. To, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to, you know, explore that again. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's so many places that are different. I don't even know like what's, what's good anymore. It's been like over a decade since I lived here. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward Every once in a while, I see places that are still there. I'm like, oh, my God, that cocktail bar is still there. <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, my kind of plan is that, you know, once this pandemic is over and also I can afford it. So, you know, both of those things have to be true. But I definitely like I have a list of cities in the U.S. that I know people in that I definitely yeah. want to visit and like eat food with. And uh, you are near the top of that list. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I'd, I'd like to plug my neighbor's um, Twitch stream that I'm pretty sure he has. Um, <laughs> and if somebody could tell me what it is, I, I would be so thankful because I keep walking by this guy's apartment and like his entire first floor is just like a computer setup. Wow. There's like, like nine monitors on one wall and like a giant cabinet for, for the computer. And then like I see them with ring lights and green screens and stuff. I don't know what they're doing, but it, it seems spectacular. And I really would love uh, for someone to tell me what it is. <laughs> that's a, That's got to be a Twitch thing. Yeah, I can't imagine any other context where you would have ring lights and a wall of computers. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's um, it's wild. And I'm, I've been trying to figure out. And then so my, my next door neighbor, I, I keep saying they're trying to get me into a sex cult because they keep leaving me baked goods all the time. But, but like they don't know either, I've asked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the trick is that you have to bring baked goods to Twitch to the guys guy. in the front. Yeah, maybe. But like, do it when it seems like maybe they're streaming, so that they have to like come get you while they're on air, and then you can be on their stream with them. You know what's the worst? Like, I've actually kind of like leaned down to read their mail because I wanted to read <laughs> their names. <laughs> Adrian, that's, I think that's maybe a crime. <laughs> I, I don't want to do anything criminal. I just want to know what they, they're doing. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> oh, thank you, Adrian. Thanks for phoning in. It was really nice to catch up. And I'm, uh, yeah, I, hope that, I hope that we'll talk again uh, in less than six months. Uh, I, I hope so, too. Do you have any social media you want people to find or not? Nah? I'm at Box of Thoughts on most things. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to Up for Discussion. Do you have a favorite food from Chicago? Tell me all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash upfordiscussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Erica, and Chantal. Our patrons get access to all kinds of amazing perks and also get to pick topics for episodes of the show. So if you want to do that, that's patreon.com slash upfordiscussion. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public, and of course you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend and again if you do that on apple podcasts during the month of february i will be donating two dollars to raven trust so go do it help everybody out our theme music is by zach ingles and our cover art is by david flam you can and should find links to both of their work in the description of this episode along with links to anything that adrian and i talked about that needed links and last but not least the show is produced and edited by me tom zalatni as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com see you next week when i'll be talking to my high school friend nicholas cole about his food journey and what landed him in edmonton alberta If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of The Yeah! Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available through the Upford Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah!